No, I want to. That's the point. We got to get it off cuff. No, I don't do that. <laughs> You're not even gonna try. <laughs> I don't. The best way for me to rap is not to do it. He's not even gonna try though. He was like, "No, I don't do that." And you're gonna record it? Huh? No, no, no. No, I'm not gonna record it. I just want to see if you're willing to. No, I'm, I don't. I don't rap. <laughs> you knew good and goddamn well I was gonna record that shit. Ain't no way in hell. I will let you. <laughs> I want to thank our sponsors, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both. You're tuned in to Kelly Talks, where comedian writer Kelly Howard, that would be me, (laughs) chat with other artists about crazy happenings along their creative journey, life-changing events from dope dealing to prison time, or trying to tell jokes while caring for a child with leukemia, or being kidnapped by your own mother. Sometimes just processing life has to be done creatively, and that's what we'll talk about right here, right now, right now, right now. Hey, 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 what up, y'all? Thank you all for tuning in to Kelly Talks. I am your host, Kelly Howard, and I want you to know that I appreciate you guys listening, sharing, and rating the podcast. It truly means a lot to me, and I am so thankful to have you as a follower. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, too. It's not just written on this paper that I'm reading. Um, We're three weeks in, and this year has been fun already. I think because I've adjusted my expectations a bit and started looking at just being wherever I am fully, I used to go into meetings, conversations, job opportunities, expecting someone to give me something or making something happen for me. That was 2016, Kelly. Done, okay? Over the last year, I focused most of my attention on cultivating self-love and self-worth. So now when I show up somewhere, I'm just showing up trying to be the best version of myself at all times. And if it fits, it fits. And if not, then there are an abundance of opportunities out here for me to take advantage of. No need to get all worked up and stressed out about one that's not meant for me. So with that being said, this year has been fun. And I've been taking some pointers from Um, this little millennial Nike generation just do it right because they create and release and the consistency of that the daily or weekly releasing of content is what really matters Um, eventually you learn how to improve on whatever it is you're creating versus some of us Uh, perfectionist yeah we'll reshoot something a million times before feeling good about showing it to the world I'm actively learning how not to be a perfectionist though this podcast in particular has helped me with that and I'm releasing Kelly talks to you on the tube on YouTube the first week in February which at this time um, it'll just be me chatting about the lessons I've learned in this lifetime so go on to my YouTube channel and follow me there be the first to know about the videos when I upload them Speaking of videos, I recently uploaded a few funny videos on my Instagram page. One video in particular that aired this New Year's Eve on WCIU Chicago with funny man, comedian, actor, father, and husband, Pat McGann, who I just happened to have in the studio today. Hi, Pat. Hey, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. What a nice intro to the podcast. Beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm just carried over that uh, energy from the meditation session. It 
It, you like that? It took. Yeah? Yeah, it was nice. You know, I, at first I was a little iffy about doing that. I was like, man, do I really want to just put people into this type of way of being? Like, you don't you do not do Hey, meditate with me. This mm-hmm. is what... I don't do that. I don't care. Still, you're going to meditate. Like, forcing people to do it. And on my email, I didn't used to say, this is optional. I just would be like, we are doing a five to ten minute meditation. And even though nobody has ever been like, no... Yeah. I just still felt some type of way about it, like forcing that on to people. But I've gotten really good feedback about well, it. Well, I think that the way you presented it in the email, because I was reading your email, was it last night or two nights ago? Two nights ago. Yeah. And I showed it to my wife. I said, this is how people should invite you to be on their podcast. Because <laughs> it sounded so professional, which it is, but also just like that you is such an extension of you. Aww, this thanks. podcast and the, the way you presented the meditation thing, like you said, it's not like I walked in here and you th- sprung it on me. Yeah. Like, hey, come on in here and do this. Yeah. So it, I think planting that seed uh, helped a lot. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're gonna talk about some uh, heavy stuff too today, so that's why I try to prep people. <laughs> like, we're gonna be diving into some life stuff, and sometimes, you know, you need to relax a little bit to really get into it and feel it. Um, I want to dive right into your upbringing, though. Where did you grow up at, Pat? I grew up on the south side of Chicago in Morgan Park. We always called it Morgan Park, or um, now they call it like West, West Beverly, Hundred Eleventh. I grew up basically at a hundred and fourteenth and Fairfield till I was seven. And then we moved to 108th and Washtenaw when I was, you know, in second grade. And my parents are trying to sell that house right now. So I was there forever. Wow. And now I live not too far from there. I'm off 103rd now, like 103rd in California-ish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I grew up. That's where I was my whole life. Did you go to Morgan Park High School? I did not. I went to Marist High School. I what took driver's ed at Morgan Park High School. What is Marist High School? Marist High School, It's a at the time it was an all-boys school, Catholic school. Oh, it's a private school? Yeah, private school, oh, okay. 115th in Pulaski. Oh, okay. And now it's co-ed, still Catholic school. Um, it's run by the Marist Brothers. Interesting. And uh, at the time when I went there, my class was like 400 boys. Wow. You know, and now it's like it's co-ed, and the numbers are not what they were. But I was there really during like their boom. Like the, they had like a big, uh, big heyday of Marist High School. Did you uh, play any sports in high school? I did. I played basketball. Did you? Yeah. You, I can see that. You're tall. Yeah. How tall are you? I wasn't tall then, though. I, I grew late. Um, I, I'm 6'1". Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I was. I didn't play a ton, but I was on the team. <laughs> and that's all Shooting that. guard. <laughs> Shooting guard. I played basketball in high school, too. Did you? Yeah, for, for a stint. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to, okay, so I went to a few high schools. I got yeah. kicked out of two high schools. <laughs> so originally I started at Rich Central High School. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I played basketball with them too, but then I got kicked out. And then I went to Umbuzman, which is a alternative school Yeah. out there, like where you go when you get kicked out. And yeah. then I got kicked out of Umbuzman. And then... <laughs> I didn't know what to do after and that. And then huh? we moved um, to Markham, and I went to Thornwood. No kidding. Yeah, and that's where I graduated from. Thanks to uh, Dr. Dean Kennedy. Thank you, yeah. Dean Kennedy, because without him, I would probably be in jail. We used to play against those jail. schools, Rich Central and Thornwood. We'd see him in like tournaments out yeah. there on the southwest side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so did you have any siblings or anything growing up? Two sisters. I'm the youngest of three. Uh, two older sisters. They both still live in the city. They are public school teachers, CPS. And... Um, 
Yeah, that was it. Your parents are still together? They are. I can see that. You just seem very structured. You seem like you <laughs> came from a really balanced household. <laughs> we had a nice upbringing, uh, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's funny. You hear so many comics speak for all comics when they yeah. say, like, oh, we are the... Uh, you know, we had hard lives, or we, you know, we weren't loved. It's a or we hard night life yeah. for That's us. That's not always the case. <laughs> it, clearly, you you're know? sitting right here. I mean, you know? sure, I had like, I didn't have, you know, the perfect childhood. No one does. Yeah. But you know, right. I think you could still be, uh, still be in this business and not come from the most damaged history. Man, that's a good. That's a good tad bit of information for people to know because they they kind of shit on themselves feeling like they haven't been through enough right right like oh i haven't been through the hardest parts of life so i can't get up here and speak about anything worth true hearing. yeah yeah you know and that's not true because you speak about a lot of great stuff and you're very funny so thanks cal that's so cool. are you <laughs> why do you seem all like just <laughs> just taken aback that i would give you a compliment on the i'm line. not good at taking compliments i see who is i see uh did you always know that you were going to want to be a comedian no is that like your thing not at all no i you know i started uh stand up after being in sales for i was kind of like a lost person like in sense of like i didn't know what i wanted to do my dad was a uh judge he was an attorney before that okay so i just used to be like yeah i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna be a lawyer people would ask like you gonna follow your dad's footsteps yeah of course I am. And then it was like, I don't really want to go to law school. Right. And I loved, uh, you know, we talked about playing basketball in high school. I loved that experience in my life. That was one of the most fun times for me, being part of that team in high school and then going to camps and seeing coaches and learning from all these people. I really started to think, like, I want to coach basketball, so I'll teach. Right. And I kind of switched. I went into uh, college as, like, a uh, pre-law program. And I switched my major to history and thought I still would go to law school. And then I thought, you know what, let me pick up a teaching degree, like a minor in teaching, and I'll teach history <laughs> and coach basketball. None of that worked out. I ended up getting a you job You had it laid sales. out, too. You yeah. had it planned. Really? Doesn't, isn't that funny how that works? Like, we'll have all these ideas of how exactly something's going to go, and then life is like, nope. Right. <laughs> and it is funny because at that time, and I'm sure you had a similar experience growing up, the people that were we were surrounded by, they weren't switching jobs like people do now. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They stayed. I was in surrounded one job. by career people. You yeah. know, someone's dad was a police officer, or someone's mom was a teacher, yeah, or a fireman, or you know, we lived in a working class. I think coming out of the fifties, it was very like get your job, stay yep. with it, get the money, get the pension, get, pension. Yeah, get exactly. yeah, yeah. Even though I didn't come from anybody in my family that had pension. <laughs> I don't think really. <laughs> well, my grandfather was a police officer, so yeah, yeah, he did, but yeah, nobody else. Yeah, my grandfather was a police officer too, and then I had another my other grandfather was a sheet metal worker, so he's part of a union. And, yeah, and they got a, a pension as well. But you know, th I think that um, being exposed to that, it didn't like limit me at all, but it did. I didn't know about business in the sense of. I should have probably been taking business classes right. in undergrad, and I never, never dawned on me. Yeah, you know. So you went into sales. What did you went into sales? What did you? I sold. The first thing I sold was tires. Tires. My uncle got me in. He had a job um, with a company that sold forklift tires, <laughs> and wow. I took the job, and I did it for like three months. Hated it. Just could not stand it. Wasn't good at it. Um, but I enjoyed the schedule of 
and the autonomy mm-hmm. of of a sales career. Yeah. So I was like, let me find another sales job. It's something about sales that works for artists. Yeah. It's almost like we're selling our personality. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that I had a little bit of success with that until really like when the internet became what it is and it just exploded, mm-hmm. people did not care if you came to visit them. They didn't care about their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> they just wanted the cheapest price and they could we were we would source things for people. So we were like a middleman. So someone would I would go to their warehouse or wherever and they would show me something and then I would like find the source for it. Well then as soon as you had the internet you could do that on your own. Yeah. Middlemen were getting cut out or everywhere. Hire somebody in your establishment to just that's yeah. all they do is look for Exactly. Yeah. So I think it kind of coincided with that, my transition into comedy, because I started a little bit like going to open mics. You know, I didn't start till I was like 31. So what made you? I always wrote and like loved, I loved writing, even when I was a kid in, in grammar school. I loved like the creative writing assignment. Okay. And then in high school, in English class, when they would let us write our own stories, I always loved to write. And I would write things at home, like, you know, I, I would be more um, likely to write than read a book. Like at night when you're winding down and, you know, yeah. some people crack open a book. Like I'm not the biggest reader, but I would take a notebook out and write like my thoughts or yeah. I used to like to draw too. And uh-huh. so I like just having like, I still love like pen on paper. Yeah. I, I love pen on, I, I buy so many journals. Yeah. My husband is like this and he, he showed me the iPad because, you know, you can write on the iPad Pro now and it has like the same consistency of like a paper almost. Really? And he was like, fill this. He was like, look at this. He's like, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't have to buy any more journals, bay, if you bought this. And I said, so you want me to go out and get uh, $1,100 device for yeah. my journals? And then he was like, I really think it'll save us money over time <laughs> because you buy so many. I buy so many but journals. I also bet that it would not be the same. You, as, being like as, as pure as you are about it, I bet you wouldn't take to it i probably wouldn't still want that i've tried notebook. to i've tried to convert to digital in other ways and i still need like an agenda so that i can physically write it Same. down it feels good to me i'll put notes on my phone more than i used to i've been I used to carry to a notebook too. around like a, i had like a pocket notebook when i first started and then i had like my, my bigger notebooks like my five stars that's still what i have like i'll go to like get information for like a corporate client like sometimes like big companies and I, I just still show up with my five star and they're like what do you what's with the notebook like you need like <laughs> you i think they think actual, i need like a leather bound like you nice need a moleskin if you have a moleskin right. you are official if you don't I have know, that but you i can't. just i have my i'm, I'm staying in my lane my i'm f- not gonna lie though i am kind of bougie on my journals like are i can't you? do a five star i'm not just grabbing a regular <laughs> regular ass co- yeah, uh, yeah. composition photo like no i need me a nice yeah sexy notebook and when i and it's really about the pages really when i open it the pages need to feel a certain way right and i'm left-handed oh, so right, i really? need to be able to so it many needs to be comics a spine. are left-handed yeah are you so many no i'm righty but it I, is a so lot of many comedians, comedians yeah are left-handed. So, so many creative people yeah are left-handed they say something about the brain right we think yeah. with the right side of our brain or something mm-hmm. i don't know so many sayings that are probably are not real and i don't want to look them up so i don't give a fuck no i believe in the <laughs> lefty comic things because yeah. i've met so many oh my god um okay so you got into stand up when you were 31 because you were just you just decided to start going to open mics here's the st- or did was it like a bet or anything like you just no this sto- this is what what happened really i was always like kind of you know thinking these things like write stuff that was funny or wanted to like write a movie but how would I ever write a movie um and there was a a friend of mine was turning 30 he's a year younger than me we had a surprise party for him 
And uh, it was a friend that went to the University of Dayton where I went to school. So it was like all these Dayton people there. Well, this girl that I knew came up to me at the party and said, do you know who's doing stand-up? Pat Bryce. Do you remember Pat Bryce? I don't. Pat Bryce, very funny guy, comic from the south side, like the Bridgeport area. He passed away suddenly uh, just a few months after this conversation. And I knew Pat at Dayton, but I didn't know him know him. Right. Um, this conversation I had with this this girl, I started looking up online Pat's stuff. Uh-huh. And he was part of this Blurds group, which was TJ Miller, Nick Vatterot, Kamal, um, Prescott Tolk, CJ Sullivan, that was... Um, Kind of like the one of the bigger movement of the scene at that time, which I didn't know at all. Right. But through this like investigation, almost I was so intrigued that this guy I knew was doing stand up, um, and then you know I started like you know I'm not I was dating my now my now wife I had just met her at that time, and I kind of like confided in her like I think I want to try this. How long have you been doing stand up? So this was. September of 07 was the first time I got up. Okay, so 10 years? Yeah. Almost. Oh, years. Oh, just yeah, over yeah, 10 just, years. Just, just over 10 years. From the time I first stepped on stage, yeah. Nice. Look at this. So anyway, th- th- that's kind of like the longer end story, yeah. but you know, you remember it when it's when it's something What was the first stage you ever got about? on? The Edge Comedy Club. The, oh my God, with... Um, Dave Odd. Dave Odd. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Dave Odd used to do some shows. He used to do... He booked a lot of shows. Right. You didn't realize how many he booked until he walked away and was right. like, I'm done with comedy. And we was like, well, what about these 15 shows yeah. that I'm booked on this week? <laughs> he helped create a healthy scene. And, he really and did. gave so many people opportunities. And I'll tell you, the reason I picked that, because I kind of scouted a few out, yeah. The I thought it was most similar to a comedy club. Yeah. Do you remember the edge? It was like and it would have that dark little... in the tables. It was like kind of like And that little sign that says the edge in the back. Yeah. Just like this one little spotlight. And the way it was like set up was, was like a comedy club. It was very old. And school. I remember going up there. Now I had never been really on stage before. I wasn't in plays or anything growing up. I played sports. I was never like that in taking the drama classes or anything like that. And I remember going out there and the light in my eye, I was so thrown by that. So you had no performance. I had yeah. zero and I blanked. I had like my five minutes memorized. I think I got through three and then like completely blanked and, and wrapped it up. But I got a few laughs. You know, it's like anyone else. You get a f- enough of a reaction to be like, I'm going to try I'm going to do that it again. again. Yeah. Not like you know? I should go kill myself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. So it was, uh, yeah, I'll never forget that. Wow. And how did you get past that? Just performing often? Yeah, just trying to get up. And it took a while, you know? And then I remember thinking that, like, and I still continue to think this, right? Like, you think that you are ready or evolved and or you're at a point, and then you're always, like, just so close to your next humbling experience to be like, gosh, I am not even. Because I, I remember hearing people say, like, 10 years is when you first – think that maybe you have an idea what you're doing and And that's about when i realized it too (laughs) same and now that i'm at 10 years i realize that like yeah maybe now i'm getting a little bit of a sense of what to do i'm shooting for 20 years got it 20 years now it's like a new goal yeah but you know what it's funny that you bring that up because that is literally life that is like we think that we once we get here Mm -hmm. we'll be done right or we've got it figured out or everything will balance out but i feel like 
everything in life, whether it's a weight goal, whether it's a health decision, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new relationship, whether it's a marriage, you get to a certain point and you have to evolve into that next stage, which takes learning, growing, understanding and figuring out this new process. Yeah. You know, and and it it takes time to get there. So true. Yeah. And it's like, you know, when I I remember I in high school, right, or in grade school, you look at people in high school and be like, wow, if I once I get to that age, mm-hmm. I'll have this all figured out. Yep. Like you always want to be. I remember I tried to get this festival, um, and I did not get it. And I was really disappointed. I thought I had a good set, like the audition, and didn't get it. So then that's another year. And now, also when you get older, years don't scare you as much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> next year. Oh, your cool. kid, that seemed like forever ago. Now it's like next year, that's not too <laughs> That's so true. That's not too far off. <laughs> that's but, so true. So then the next year I got it, the festival that I wanted the year before. And I went and did the festival. And then the next year, I was like, man, I should be doing that festival this year. Like I still wasn't ready. You, you know what I'm saying? You felt like you weren't good enough to have done it the year right. you did it. So you kinda always think that you're you you know more than you do, right? You think that you're ready for things, and you're not. You're always yeah. so. It's like now I don't get as disappointed when I don't get something that I want because I think that you just. Not I don't think the now. opportunity yeah. is necessarily gone forever, and that maybe the next time it comes around, I'll be that much more prepared. Yeah, I agree. It's so many times I've auditioned for things and I didn't get it, and then I remember, in fact, uh, Nick Mom's Night Out. Oh, yeah. I. The first time around, I was upset because Bert wouldn't give me an opportunity to audition for it, right? And I was, like, super bitter. Oh, yeah. I was just, like, angry about it. And then I got the opportunity to audition, and it was okay, and I didn't get it. And I was like, ah! And I just had an attitude about that, right? Because back then, I had an attitude about everything. And (laughs) And then, like, seven months later... I got a call from the producer of the show and was like, hey, we want to fly you out to New York to be on Nick's Mom Night Out. And it was just like not even – I don't know. I didn't even audition. I didn't do anything. I didn't even know they were casting, and I just got a call out of nowhere. So I really feel like even though sometimes when we feel like we're not ready because you said you went to that festival and you was like, oh, I should have been doing it that next year. You did it the year you were supposed to do it because something – yeah. Came out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, I think you're even right. Even if it's not what you want right. at the time, which is usually the biggest thing. It's like we want stuff to look like your plan, right? You were going to go to, you're going to be a teacher. You're going to do this. You're going to sure. do that. And it didn't work out like that. Exactly. You yeah, know, you never know. These plans, they shift. And your attitude shifts too. You know, you're yep. able to process things better the older you get. Yeah. The more life experience you have behind you. You don't realize like it's not so much experience of being on stage, being a stand up, doing all those things. But like just having kids, being married, having yes. going further along in life. Yep. I was all that stuff. I was kinda like frustrated, you know, about a year ago because I wasn't able to travel the way I want to or do like, cause when it's a, it's a thing with mother, I don't know. It's probably a, I don't want to discount fathers either, but no, let's discount especially, <laughs> especially with mothers though. I feel like if I'm not at home, I'm doing something to my daughters. Like I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm being that absent parent. That's going to make them wonder Sick why didn't mom love. Yes. A yeah. huge guilt factor there. So traveling, mm-hmm was easy at one point and then all of a sudden i don't know if i start caring about them or some shit but all of a sudden i was like oh, 
this traveling is like right. I want to be home. I want to be. They have questions. They have, they have. You know, I have to take them to school games and pick them right. up from friends' houses. Like they need me, and I and I and I really got freaked out about it last yeah. year. And then, like you said, that time thing. I started thinking, like you know what? They're juniors. They have another year before they go to college. Like, do I really want to spend this next year so focused on traveling because I'm thinking I'm going to miss some type of job opportunity? Or do I want to spend this next year and a half really being in the space with my girls and really having these moments with them? And then in a year and a half, which is not that far away now that I know, you know, now that I'm this age, a year and a half ain't shit. Right. And then I can travel all I want because they'll be in college. You know, like, why not just wait? That's awesome that you have those thoughts and that you're able to keep yourself. It wasn't that easy. I had to get to this place because yeah. before I was it was a it was a true like emotional pull of like I should be doing what all the other comedians are doing right now. I should be out at these shows. I should be traveling and doing these festivals. Why am I here? Yeah, I've had those thoughts, too. It's, you know, it's, you can get caught up in that. You can. And it's already a um, it can be a selfish existence. And I don't mean selfish in a bad way, but if you're doing something you're passionate about, you will naturally get lost in it at times. It will naturally take um, become a priority, as mm-hmm. it should at times. There are moments when you gotta work. You gotta work hard. You gotta like put everything towards that. Yeah. Um, but the problem with doing something I think that you're passionate about is it bleeds into it's just your life. It's it's not hey, I'm done at the office, I'm on my way home, and you leave work behind. It's just you. It's with you at all times. It's always there. almost the essence of your being. So you're never off. Yeah. You're never, like, off from work. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's a a tough thing. It is a tough balance. What is your, um, well, what is the biggest thing you've done to date in your career? Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. I mean, for me, the biggest thing I've done is just being able to just being able to go full time and being, you know, in terms that of like big. credits. Yeah, uh, it would have to be the first time I did Letterman is is probably. How many it, times well, have you done it? I did it twice. Oh, okay. Um, but that first time, you know, it's the first time, so yeah. I, I think that was just like monumental in my head, and that even that is something that you look back on and you're like, I should have been more in the moment. Mm-hmm. I should have been more relaxed. I could have been, you know. Yeah. It's like. But then you did it again, which means you obviously were good <laughs> because they brought you yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It was it was great experience. I, I was lucky to get it the second time. I think that was like a um, just a series of events that kind of worked in my favor. Yeah. Like I don't know the whole backstory of it because uh-huh. they don't really tell you, but I think someone bailed and. They needed someone. They had my set. I had, I had recently talked to the person. Um, it was like, let's just bring this guy. Yeah, kind of like your the Nick and Knight thing. Like you just get the call. You yeah. know, you're not expecting it. And uh, so yeah, it was. That's All the stars it. line up for you sometimes. It just works that way. But yeah. most of the times they don't, right? Most of the times they do. <laughs> I'm a woman of law of attraction. It it does for me. That's awesome. Held to back. Positive thoughts. Maybe that's going to start happening for me. You know, if I start meditating exactly. and center myself more. Positivity. And... Smoke a little weed. <laughs> what is your ultimate goal in comedy? Um, You know, I have goals, but it's like. <laughs> what, what? Were you not it's ready? So <laughs> goals are tough. <laughs> Here's the thing about, I, I don't know. I, I think that like I get so self-aware when I talk about like goals. 
like like saying out loud will make them not happen. Like I'll jinx it or um or it's like you know really that's proven your goal? that if you say them out loud though. I say them out loud likely... but maybe not in front of Okay. In front of you. <laughs> oh gosh. No, I say them out loud. <laughs> no, no. To the wall, I, no, what I mean is like um then there's also that like I'm always thinking about responses, right? Or reactions. So it's like why if I say my goal you sometimes get scared of like the response, even if it's not stated. Someone looking at you and being like, "Really? You think you can?" Your you can goal do that? is you your goal, though. Yeah. I mean, I feel like everybody has the 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 right to dream, have a big they fucking want to dream, and yeah. nobody can tell you, especially nowadays, right? With social media, with the internet, you can make whatever you want to happen if you really want it to happen. Period. My, my goal is I would love <laughs> to have my own show. Uh, How is that like not host, realistic when you are show? that kind like? hosting a show maybe in Chicago my biggest goal i think would be not having to move be able to stay in chicago and make a make a living doing this what i love you know those are very obtainable just so you know so don't think that because you've told me no that. i know i know now you've told but me you know to the I mean? world so yeah. ooh we <laughs> but it's like they know, might come true i don't know what you're going to do about that i used to say <laughs> things like what's a goal like oh i'd love to have a movie like write a movie or write a show about my life but like but i haven't done that I haven't written the pilot. I haven't written. So it's like I check myself sometimes too. It's like don't spout off these goals if you're not really hustling and yeah. doing it. Like wouldn't it be like huge balls for me to be like, oh, I want to have my own sitcom. Well, then, dude, have you written? Have you written a sitcom? I haven't. <laughs> yeah. So but I, try I say and that and I do. I, have, I, want a, I want a sitcom about my family. I think yeah. it's very funny that I have this, you know, Asian husband and these mixed children and we live in white suburbia and i'm from the hood and it's a huge dynamic shift and it's funny it's a lot of comedy in it and i want it to be something but i have not taken it because i have other things right exactly and i have life that's happening so i don't think it's not realistic to to say those things even though you haven't started working on it because i mean even you might not have to you could you sold me on the pitch right there if that's your (laughs) that's your elevator pitch (laughs) I think that works. That's my elevator bitch. Don't you sometimes hear somebody say, though, like, I want to do, like, the way you just said that, that would be your sitcom? Yeah, that works. To me, I can picture that. Yeah. I've I've tried to pitch that like that, though, but it has, it's more elements to it that I have not put up. And that's fine because I have other shit that I've got going on. That's not to say that I won't have it, though. Right. So Once the girls go to school, then you can. I can live that life, right? And then I can cast new kids to be around all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, and you're married with kids. Uh, so how long have you been married? Ten years. Ten years. Oh, same as the comedy. So yeah. your wife jumped on that boat. Man, uh, I Why did just... I say ten years? No. eight. It's going to be eight years eight in November. Years. Okay. Oh, so she jumped on that yeah, boat we two met, years we in. We met in 07. I always think of, like we met in 07, but we got married in 2010. Okay. So yeah, it'll be, it was just seven years. So got seven you. years and a few months. Wow. Man. You're going to, I hope she doesn't listen to this. I know. She's going to be like, you don't even know. I know. November 6, <laughs> 2010. Okay. I got it. All right. Um, And you guys have kids, right? Three kids. Three kids. I got that right. Three, four, <laughs> first, and five. Yeah. Right behind each other. That was some straight up like bang, bang, bang. Like excited. That's man. It was um sort of like, planned that a way. Got a kid? Want to have another kid? Got a kid? Want to have another kid? <laughs> it really was like in a row crazy are you done i think so yeah i think so <laughs> I, yeah i mean it's funny like we you know i i love that the chaos is still there and mm-hmm. but i love that some of it is overlapped 
You know what I mean? Like I have friends that have gotten their youngest to like five or six and then they go have another one and then they're like back in that. I think there's something you said about I find us doing things as a family now that we could never do before. Our youngest and our middle guy still takes naps sometimes, um, but we're not like tied to it like we used to be. Like we could just do more. And And I think of it that way. I think of it being like if we had another child that it would be uh it would put pause on some things that I'm kind of ready to do with them now. You know, to start taking yeah. trips and and doing more things with them. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have a, 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 baby, a baby at home and you're like, "Oh man." Oh, I can't. Yeah. And then you're exhausted and then you're not as patient as a as a dad. Yeah. Or you know, I think about those things, so. That's so amazing that you think about those things. Not many dads are worrying about being patient. <laughs> That's, I, I appreciate that. Because maybe they're more patient by nature. And maybe I'm just Very an possible. impatient asshole, and I have to be. What is the biggest challenge you deal with having a family and being on a, on a road? The travel, for sure. You know, being gone. That's the biggest thing. Just being gone itself. Yeah. yeah, I may have worded that question with your answer. <laughs> no, I think it's like, <laughs> like, what is the biggest challenge? <laughs> I think that is it, and um, that's really it right now. You know, it's it's funny that you see your prob- your future problems now. Like, I already see that that's going to be an issue that doesn't go away and could potentially get bigger because, um, you know, as you're saying with your children, they're older and practices yeah. and things that you could potentially potentially have missed because your father was always around because of the type of job he had yeah so that yeah i could he was imagine around he was hard. like my coach he was involved he was you know yeah and i want to i want to be able to do that as well yeah um so i think that that's probably it it's hard you know it's like again it, it's it's the passion thing like when you're doing something you love it's so consuming yeah it's all consuming and um yeah, it's it it takes its toll sometimes. Does your wife mind you traveling so much? Does she have a Not really. There are times, you know, where it could end up being not the perfect situation because maybe one of the kids are sick or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it then it becomes magnified. And you know, all not all dads, but many dads travel and are gone, mm-hmm. but when it's the weekends, it's just so it sticks out so much more, so much more noticeable like when I'm gone. Yeah. You know. But I've also had a, a trema- tremendous amount of time with my kids because of my career at this point in their lives, you know? What do you mean? Like, they're not as busy. They're home a lot, and I'm home a lot, you know, in the scheme of things. Right. Um, so you're able to so spend I'm that around. time with them yeah, during the day. I, so I am around. I, th- I just think it's going to get worse. Now, one of your children was diagnosed with cancer, correct? Yes. And he's beat that. My son, Elliot, um, was diagnosed when he was 17 months with leukemia. He's in remission. He's still in treatment Okay. until March, end of March. It'll be three and a half years. Um, so that also was... Do you have to say, how long is that treatment when a child... It's three and a half. It's every treatment, no matter yeah, what, it's Yeah, it's a, a protocol for, for children all over the country. They're treated the same way. Oh, wow. Really, it, depending on your subtype, uh, he has ALL, T-cell. It's a little less common than the ALLB cell, uh-huh. um, so the um, a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more rare. But as as said, he's he's in remission and and he's doing good. The um, 
protocol for males is three and a half years because your testicles. Oh, yeah. It's such a reservoir, I think, for cancer cells to hide out in. Um, so for girls, it's two and a half years. And for boys, it's an extra year. Oh, wow. How has he been taking it? Cause- Good. You know, it's, fu- it's uh, funny, like, how it's evolved with his age. You know, when he was diagnosed, he didn't even talk. Just saying, like, a couple of words. Right. So he was never able to communicate with us and how he felt. You know, that's why we were kind of chased it for a while. Um, he didn't get diagnosed right away. We thought he was having fevers. We thought he had an ear infection. He did, in fact, have an ear infection. Then we thought he was having a reaction to the antibiotic from the ear infection. And then the symptoms became more clear, more obvious. He started getting bruising and surface uh, petechiae, uh, which is like blood, I guess like clots, really, that come to the surface of the skin. Yeah. Um, when we brought him in with that, he presented as like, it was like a case study, like in terms of like, this is, they knew just looking at him, basically. They didn't tell us. They told me to bring him to the ER and we're going to get you guys some attention right away. Um, he was really sick when he started. When he started, he had the highest white blood cell count they'd ever seen at the uh, at Christ Hospital. Because you guys didn't know. You were trying we to. didn't know. His, his blood at that point was like, molasses they said and he was very close to you know having a stroke or um any wow host of issues so he was uh intubated and sedated put on an oscillator they spun all the blood cells out of his uh system twice which was it's a big procedure just in that alone and then he was out when they have the the big huge thing of blood and they're like transferring like they're doing it right there they call it luca freeze is that what Luca it is? freeze? Yeah, and they spin out the bad blood cells. And I don't really understand all of it, but was the machine there? Oh though? yeah, because yeah. I I remember being in NICU with my daughter, like the you know in the small, and you know they have all the hospital beds next to each other, and it was a baby next to us getting this done, mm. like publicly, in the room, and I was like, what is happening right there? It's a right. lot of you know, and that makes sense now that you say that because I didn't know that that's what was being done. Well, yeah, I mean, being there, and, and I know. It's, it's those yeah. kids' hospitals. It's just brutal. It is because you're seeing it, and yeah. it's just like, and you can kind of know you know what the parents going through because you're a parent. But it's just like it's still, yeah. Um, so you've been dealing with this for three, almost three and a half years. He'll be fully, and what are the like the chances of it reset? Like you what know are, what? I know I that it's ever, the highest. It's he's got a great uh, potential for outcome. Okay. Um, I don't ever really think of it other than the fact of just him it's just him like i don't i don't look at like the numbers or okay you know i kind of did it in the beginning um yeah. but which now, could probably drive you crazy yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's a wormhole like going down reading that stuff yeah um but he no he's like i said we're thrilled with where he's at right now we, we've been at the clinic we used to be there all the time yeah. now we're there um like once every three weeks so he'll be able to start school regularly. And yeah, he's he in school. He's in his second. Um, is his second year preschool? He's going okay. preschool like uh, every day, half days. Next year he'll be in kindergarten. Nice. He'll be uh, five in June. He's a sweet kid. Aww. He's really a good boy, and yeah. he's like, uh, you could tell that it's um, probably already had like a big impact on his personality mm-hmm. and just how he is as a as a person. Yeah. You know? He's really like a, a thoughtful little boy. 
gave him yeah. a lot of insight early on in life. I think so. Yeah. You know? That's amazing, though. You yeah, know, I he, think you he just grows kinda... up having went through something. Mm-hmm. He understands things a little differently than most of these little bratty kids that yeah. have been just spoon-fed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it has a big thing on it, a big impact on you, I think. Um, do you find yourself caring for your health more now that your son dealt with that? Like, do you? Because I know when my daughter was um, dealt with her heart condition and all of that, I started running a lot and really taking cardio seriously and really protecting my heart because I'm like, I was born with a healthy heart. Right. She was born with one that you know barely functions. How dare I be so selfish? Yeah. <laughs> like that's kind of how I looked at it when I started working out really hard. I. You know what? I wish I had responded that way. I don't think I have necessarily. Like, I have always been, like, in terms of healthy lifestyle, like, I've been peaks and valleys. Like, I'll go through a, a stint where I'll not necessarily eat great, but I'll, like, work out more. And yeah. I'm kind of in a. In but a you look good, right though. Now. You know, oh, like, thanks, you, you have, like, thanks. a. Unfortunately, for the people listening, you can't see me right now, but. <laughs> That's I why I had to awesome. say it. That's why I tell them that you look good. <laughs> No, I, I wish I had, you know? Yeah. I think that we try and we're more aware of, like, what we give him and, you Mindful know. of what he eats, but... Yeah, he yeah. is actually, like, a great eater. Like, I was... I'll comment sometimes to my wife, like, God, I should learn from him. Like, he <laughs> takes his time. Yeah. He's, like, thoughtful in the way he eats. He's... It's actually, like, fun to watch sometimes. He's he's our best eater. Chews fully, swallows yeah. before taking his next bite. Right. Like <laughs> I get, like, the hiccups three bites in because you didn't scarf that i'm in a hurry (laughs) well you know i was too like as a parent you're always like you barely sit down you're getting everybody else something oh and then once you get and then you're like eating as you're walking to the table yeah (laughs) right yeah um so how has his illness impacted your marriage if at all oh it's definitely had it's you know it's brought us together at moments and it's probably brought so much stress into our lives where it's you know Torn your taking his toll yeah. at, at moments yeah but i think any marriage goes through that when the kids are young they regardless take, if they're sick or not yeah they take so much out of you and have so much uh they have so many needs right so if you're constantly meeting needs for them three of them i mean every time you're around them you're you know you're answering questions or getting something for them or if they're woke, telling yeah. them not to do, you know, <laughs> right. So yeah. it's, uh, I th- that's why I like the, like I said, the overlap of this chaos. Let's get it all done. Let's get them all out of diapers at the same time. Let's get them all, you know, potty train all like, you know, their sleep training is still like an issue. And that is a byproduct of our son. You know, we are very, um, relaxed with him you know I, I don't think that we treat them i think everybody treats their kids a little bit differently depending on who they are what their birth order is all those things yeah. gender all that stuff it plays a role but with him it's like you know he wants to crawl on our bed he takes medicine every night he takes pills he takes okay. chemo pills and every month he goes through a steroid cycle where he takes steroids for a week and it really makes him different as a person it, it changes his personality he becomes very vulnerable very antsy very hungry yeah and just is agitated so we're we accommodate him so much and of course we do you know we want him to be comfortable we'll bring him in our bed we'll uh, and then but those our other kids now they're not in cribs they see that then they want to crawl on our bed then they want to 
So the sleep thing is has been a uh, a challenge. Oh wow! But you know, I don't, it's not always going to be that way. Um, often enough. Is <laughs> that often enough words? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Not all of them, but Some, one Elliot, of them. Somebody uh, is in uh, your bed. Elliot. Oftentimes is. Yeah. And when he gets upset, it stings me so much more than the other two. I mean, I'm just being honest. Why is that? Why do you, I mean, because like, I feel so sorry for him. I f- never want to see him upset or uncomfortable, especially during this time where he's going through treatment. He's got to be going through so much and still, I don't think knows what it means to feel normal. He's taken chemo every night for three and a half years. Wow. Every night. And some nights is heavier doses than others. So I don't think he's ever felt normal can never and and i don't know that but that's what i think right and if i'm able to relax him or accommodate in any way like for him to like does it make sense to have him bawling crying and screaming because we won't let him lay down with us why agitate him in that way yeah Yeah. because i believe too in stress and anxiety in you as a person um, is not good for you overall. I don't know. I just, I just seem to. The, this, the, it's kind of like it reminds me of like the path of least resistance. It's like yeah. you don't. Some stuff just don't need to be focused on because that's not what's best for this moment. Yeah, it's not what's best for. So yeah. So that's the impact of having a sick child. Yeah. And, and I know you know more than anyone, but there's a domino effect. There's a trickle down effect that it kind of penetrates and infiltrates everything. Are you and your uh, wife in counseling, individually or together at all? Um, no. Oh. We'll kind of come from the school of... Uh, Figure it out. We'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, it's the school of it's many not, people. Yeah, it's not, not necessarily the right school, but... it's You know, I've, I've been without and I have ha- I've had therapy and then I haven't had therapy. You know, I've done it both ways several times over the years. Yeah. And... Um, therapy is good like it really just to be able to talk just to be able to get it out because sometimes you just want to get it off your chest sure and you sometimes don't want the judgment or the questions or the criticism of other people like if you if you get it off your chest with your mom you kind of know what you're going to get if you're getting it off your chest with your wife or or in my case my husband and I, I pretty much know the response i'm going to get if i'm getting it off my chest with my sister you know it's like you know yeah. how these people are your best friend it doesn't matter and sometimes i'll call particular people based on what I want to hear. <laughs> like True. if I feel like dealing with this or do I feel like dealing with that? So let me call this person and vent yeah. about this thing I'm struggling with because this is the response I'm going to get versus a therapist. It's like, I can just go and vent. And a good therapist, I feel like presents the right questions to make you think about something, think about your problem a lot deeper in a way that it'll deliver you the answer in its own, in its own way. Not a therapist that wants to coach you through your life fix you or yeah, yeah yeah like you you know you should try this i like that therapist that say well have you thought about it like this or have mm-hmm. you or what if blah 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 and that question makes me say huh well what if yeah. and now that opens the door to other questions and now i'm curious about things that i wasn't even thinking about that helps me answer my own problem you know i I, like, I believe in it i think that it works yeah and i know it works probably better did for some co- other people. Did I just try to <laughs> invite you to therapy? And no, <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a, um, there's plenty of people in my life and from, I think, not to be like, oh, where I grew up, we don't do that. But like, 
there's plenty of people I think that would say, oh, it's, you know, figure it out. Yeah. You know, suck it up. I don't necessarily believe in that at all. Yeah. Um, there's something we should explore. Or, yeah, because it's healthy. Whether it's, you know, even if your life's not that bad, it's still yeah. good to get things out there. I think communication, period, is healthy. And that's what we need as people. We just need to be able to talk and, and deal with each other and not run away from everything or turn away from everything. Right. Um, so what has been your biggest takeaway from going through this with your son? What would you say that you... I think the biggest takeaway for me is um, that life is just not great. And, and it's a matter of time before you figure it out. Life is not, hard. It's just not great. I'm not a... Um, I, I'm not like a glass half empty guy I, I think i have a positive disposition and approach to life um maybe it's a little bit more tempered than it was in the past mm-hmm. um but life has a way of humbling you along the way in in other ways and just as you grow up as a person i think that you settle down a little bit um but i do believe that it sucks sometimes and sometimes life is great but a lot of times it's not and it's a matter of time before you find that out. And I realized that looking back on life, I have friends in my life that went through some horrible things before I did. Um, and I don't know if I was empathetic enough or um, there enough for them. And then we went through our thing. And it was kind of coupled with um, a- another tragedy. My, my wife's father passed away very suddenly and... It just knocked her out, and that probably had as much or more of an impact on our life than um, my son getting sick. Um, But like I said, I think that I realize other people have been through that stuff, and the takeaway would be, it's a cliche, but everyone is carrying something, and to be have a trigger or knee-jerk response to the way someone's acting without knowing what they're carrying what their backstory is, what they've been through, what, you know, they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis in their own private lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you just never know that. Yeah. And, and I think that I still have a long way to go, but I'm closer to embracing that and realizing that before I, you know, flip out about something trivial. Yeah. Um, I'm because so, I have that in mind. I'm so glad that you circled that back around to that to like this message that you had because she was like life sucks and I'm like damn that's not what I was going for at all I was like that is not what I was hoping my listeners would get I know you got me in like this deep place I know just give me some setups knock them down and we'll get out of here nope not on Kelly Talks (laughs) that's great well you got through that congratulations Uh, we're actually down to the final four and four which is when I set my timer for four minutes and you will answer these four questions um and that'll be that. And they don't have anything to do with what we just discussed. So they're just. No, like it's fine. And I am not cup. uncomfortable talking about that because I think it's important to talk about that. And it's not like it the, is way, the way you talk yeah. about it and the way that, you, you know, we discussed uh, things before, you know, coming on here. And, and even the email you sent, like going back to that, like you were upfront about, you know, we're going to talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's I'm all, happy that you're good. willing. I have so many people I reach out to that have such an interesting stories that are just not there yet, and they're not ready to talk about them. And so we'll talk, and they'll be like, Kelly, I just can't go on air, and I just can't discuss that. I don't even like talking about it. And I just it just saddens me because I'm right. like, ah! 
people need to hear this. It's people out there that's going through this, and but it's not my place to push somebody in the place where they able to. Because I mean, shit, five years ago, you may have asked me about heaven, and I I may have said something, you know, where I was kind of open to talking about the experience, but the truth of the experience of what I really learned and what I really went through was not even evolved in my brain yet. So I, w- you know what I mean? It wouldn't have been authentic anyway. Cause I hadn't dealt with it. And, have you, you and know? you're in a different place now. Exactly. You're, I'm in a different place. Cause I've dealt with it. Sometimes we go through stuff and we don't deal with it. So yeah. our outlook on what we went through is still very jaded. It's still very like, like, yeah. like you said at the still beginning raw. of that comment where life is fucked up. Right. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. and that's the attitude you have behind it. And that's not a good conversation to have to me yeah. about anything that really took your spirit into a different place. Right. When you grow like that or when you evolve like that and you go through a tragic situation, something happens within you. But you don't you have to figure that out for yourself. And once you figure that out, that's when it's a beautiful thing to discuss with people, because you'll get people to ask to asking those questions of themselves in their situations, you yeah. know? I do know. And, and I think that I probably, there was a time when I wouldn't want to talk about what we just talked about with my son and He's in a good place. And, too, yeah, he is a good know? place. But there's something that I kind of, and I probably don't say it or communicate it well enough, like saying life sucks. Like, I don't mean it like that. And I love life. And oh, I, I know. Great, You're a great guy, great too. Great times. <laughs> but I remember this, I used to be a big fan of Sopranos. The show, do you ever watch that? Yeah, my husband was a huge fan of that. And there was a time when Tony had this conversation with, um, I think it's after, like, he just cheated on his wife and he's with the the woman who takes care, took care of his mother. She's an immigrant from Russia and she has one leg and he messes around with her and they're talking afterwards. And she says, um, you Americans just expect to be happy. And... That's almost like where we are as a country sometimes. We're always looking for like that satisfaction and we expect to be happy. We expect to, and I think that's more what I mean. Life doesn't suck, but don't expect to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. If you always expect to be happy, when you're happy, you won't enjoy it as much anyway, right? True joy is a emotion on the spectrum just as sadness. And you don't want to be sad all the time. If you were sad all the time, it would not really be profound when you were sad for real right and i feel that way is i was probably caught up in expecting to always be happy when i was delivered that blow on my son and then a couple months later my uh, father-in-law and watching my wife just spiral out from that loss and if you have that perspective if you see it coming that yeah life is great but it's there's hurdles along the way. There's a lot of stuff that, mm-hmm. and that we'll continue to go through, right? Because where you have family, we have family that's close to us. We have friends that are close to us. So we will eventually lose along the way. Yeah. And those moments are real and unavoidable. It's a part of existing. Yeah. It's a part of being human. You can't avoid diseases. You can't avoid deaths. You can't avoid any of that. You right. can't avoid accidents from happening because of other people's behavior, because you're in the world interacting with other people at all times. And I think that I more understand that now. I think that when someone delivers me bad news and is prefaced with, like, can you believe this? Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, it's life. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, good conversation, Pat. This is really good. Yeah, it's nice. All right, we're going to start this for. But not funny. No, and I say that in the email. Do you see that? I say in the email, though I am known no, primarily as a comedian, this is not funny. No, I love it. Yeah. It's real talk.
Uh, I'm telling you, I'm on my I'm on, I'm on my way to be Oprah Robbins. Okay, right. That's Oprah. <laughs> that's Oprah Winfrey and, and Tony, Tony Robbins, Robbins baby. <laughs> that's good. That's my goal. I think I faced enough to to be able to deliver a certain amount of empathy and compassion to people. That's how I look at that. What's nice right. that you're willing to do that for other people? Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, all right, final four and four and start. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Mm, superpower? I guess fly. I'd, I'd love to fly. Then I would be home right after the show. Nice. <laughs> do my show in Windsor. Boom. No. Uh, I like that. I guess flying, right? What yeah. What other superpowers are there? X-ray uh, vision. X-ray vision. Speed. My daughter said teleport. Teleport. She oh, said that's faster than flying. She was like, I want to be at a teleport because I didn't of time. know that was on the table. Is there a superhero <laughs> I, that teleports? I don't know. I don't know. That's what she that was her answer. Um, if you could talk to anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Abraham Lincoln. Why? I'm obsessed with him. I don't <laughs> know. I just have like this Lincoln thing. Um and I think that he was president at a the most pivotal time in our country's history. I think that he was um like profoundly intelligent I would love to just talk to him about like you know he's a historical figure but he's not that long ago I mean we would actually I think have things to talk about I'd love to hear about you hear relate. I'd love to hear what Chicago was and Illinois was back then yeah and you know I think I know enough of like common ground like you know just historical political Things that you actually have a conversation and 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 I just he's almost not real in my mind's eye because of how yeah iconic he is yeah um but yeah without hesitation I don't know why that would be uh, Abraham that would be it um, if you could change anything in the world history what would you change and why if you could change anything in world history what would you change and why anything in world history anything in world history any part of history you can go back and say this is gonna be like this now um give me an example so like me yeah i would have changed slavery right i would have still i would still be in africa <laughs> you would still be in africa you know what i mean i would have never brought slaves to right. the america so and my reason being is because i feel so detached from that part of my existence like i know black america life i know that very well i know what it yeah. feels like to be you know a black woman, but I feel like there's something to be said about being an African woman and knowing that culture and being deeply embedded in, in those roots. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, yeah. I mean, if you could trace racism to a moment. You'd want to do that. <laughs> I think that would be, that would change our planet. Yeah. It's probably the biggest stain on our society. And yeah. I don't think it's just our society. I think it's the planet. Um. A, a world event. I mean, I, I think I know more about U.S. history than I do world history. So I'm trying to think of something um, like what's a moment that spurred um, the rise of Hitler? You know, is it the League of Nations, like Woodrow Wilson going over there and debating, or um, they, you know, negotiated these like unfair terms to Germany? Mm -hmm. after post you know the first world war like maybe that would be it okay uh, i should probably ask that question when i know more, i don't know I'm when i know more think. people because the people you just named i have no idea only one i know is hitler all right so moving <laughs> on 
I mean, it's probably a lame answer. I'm tr- I was trying to think sound smart, and I... No, it's fine. It's fine. It's a new question. Today is the first time I've asked that question today. And you're the first white guy on my show, by the way. Just oh, so yeah. you know. Yeah. No kidding. The first white guy. Because I'm so pro-black. <laughs> I'm so pro-black is with that my, not, with that my Asian husband. Anti-white? Uh, uh, that means I'm anti-everything else. Um, no, that's not true. I'm, uh, I'm pro- I think your producer gave you a... Well, I'm not gonna say. I don't want to rat anyone out. What did? I- oh <laughs> no! Come on, get the other one in. Oh well, I mean, who cares about time? Give me one more question. <laughs> if you go back, if you can go back and have a conversation with your 16 year old self, what would you tell him? What piece of advice would you give him? Uh, I feel like it would be the don't same. Feel to- <laughs> don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. What do you feel guilty about? Well, God, I mean, I'm growing up. Like our whole compass is guilt. Being a Catholic, <laughs> grown up, I'm not. Say, don't know? feel guilt about what your people has done to everyone. <laughs> oh, I don't. You talking about that? No. Oh, that's what I thought you meant when no, you said that. Don't, don't feel guilty about uh, <laughs> your behavior. <laughs> Going out with girls, dating, drinking. That just, just went being way. Free. That just went way. Man, you just put the blame. Way <laughs> you put the blame on on my people. I get it. But I think it's more rich. The more the older field. I get, I think it's more rich people. But I say that it is definitely a class. I thing. say that though, and there are so many racist poor people. So that doesn't I think even that, hold I water think at that, all. I think that the heart of what we're going through in a country has a lot to do with um, class. I don't think it has anything to do with race. I think it's more class. But I also feel like race. My thought is not fully functional for me to be able to quote, for me to be able to go in the direction I was about to go with that. Well, especially <laughs> if you're trying to wrap it up. But I yeah, would piggyback back. what you were going to say in terms of if people were able to identify themselves as class rather than race, they would realize they have more in common with people in their class than their race. Exactly. I don't know. Thank you for making that the pin that I was trying to look for in the, <laughs> in the haystack, okay? Or, or needle. needle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Pat, for being on the show. Thank um, you so much for having me. Pat McGann. I don't think I said your full name at all. You did earlier. Did I? Did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, tell people where they can find you and follow you at. I'm on Twitter at McGann Pat. I'm on Instagram at McGann underscore Pat. PatMcGannComedy.com is my website. I do a lot in the Chicagoland area. Um, and I always love running you in the scene. Yes, we see each other. I really appreciate bit. you having me. Yeah, and thanks for being on that show, the New Year's show on the U. You killed it. Oh, my God. So funny. So much fun. It was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is a bit of a long one, but as you listen, you understand why. I really do appreciate you as my listeners. Like, you have no idea how much. When I post on Tuesday, I'm super excited to get these audio to you and to get your feedback. So please, rate, share, um, all that good stuff. I'll see you guys on the Internet. Peace. I want to thank our sponsor, She Funny, a platform created to encourage funny women of color to be empowered in their funny by offering various resources and online visibility. And also our friends here at Cards Against Humanity for their hospitality and donated studio space. I appreciate you both.